Interview time. Gaming industry action. Welcome to the ALT Insider Podcast, dedicated to making you have the most fun possible while living or dreaming about living in Japan. Whether you've been here for years or are just starting to consider it, we've got you covered. And now, your host, broadcasting from somewhere in Japan, James. James here. ALT Insider Podcast, episode number 084, coming at you right now. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome in. This week, it is a interview episode. And before we get to that interview episode, I want to say thanks for the emails I've been getting this week. I got uh, the most emails I ever got, actually, for this week, saying thanks for the podcast, and the podcast is cool. And I'm going to shout out a few of those people, since I didn't ask if it's okay, but F it. I'm going to do it anyway. So let me say, let me say thanks to a few people here. I'm going to bring up the names now. The following people. Rajon, um, John, and Peter, and also one more, and that was Vanessa and David. So thanks for your emails. That means a lot. You know, letting you know, knowing I'm not just doing this for myself is always nice. And, you know, some people gave me some suggestions for future for future shows, so that's cool too. And if you want to give me a thanks, james at ltinsider.com. I want to hear what you think. Also, you can leave it up on a uh, review on iTunes. That also helps too. And that is awesome if you do that. So thanks for that. Uh, other news on the episode on the on this week, if you're listening live, US Jet applicants, if you haven't got your application in by now, you are too late. So you will not be on the jet program next year, which is already to say, but of course there's other avenues to get to Japan, not just the jet program. They might not be as good as the jet program, but you could find your way once you get in Japan. I'm firmly confident in that. So actually I'll have an article about that or an episode of the podcast about that next month. Stay tuned for that. Um, last week on the site on Monday, there was an episode about recontracting because we are almost or in the middle of recontracting season in the LT world, so they'll, you know, the company will send you a, a email or, or a letter and says, hey, you want to recontract next year? Do you got to say yes? Do you got to say no? It's a tough question. There's a lot of things you got to think about. And the article this week went through what you have to think about before you just sign on that line or did not sign on that line. That should be on the site now. And nothing else I want to say, I don't think. Um, as, again, thanks for the emails. Thanks for staying too. The podcast is growing every week, so it's all thanks to you guys. So the new listeners, how's it going? Old listeners, how's it going? I want to be equal to everyone. But for this episode, the show notes page of this episode with this interview will be at altinsider.com forward slash podcast 86. And enjoy. I think you'll enjoy this one a lot because this one's, I've, you know, I know a lot of people wanting to the, get into the gaming industry. And this is a person working in Japan in the gaming industry. And we get into what he does on a day to day basis, how he got his job. We go through a lot of stuff. So please sit back wherever you are on your bike ride to work on your walk to the schools, or if you're just chilling in, Japan, in America or Canada or Australia, working on your application for whatever company you want to work with, please enjoy this episode and follow your dreams. I'll end it with that. Follow your dreams. Enjoy. All right, guys. Today, I have a very special guest. He's doing a cool job in Japan. Definitely, I think it's cool because I'm into gaming. So, Anthony, his name is Anthony. How you doing today, Anthony? How's it going? How you doing? I already spilled the beans and said you're in gaming, but why don't you tell people what exactly is your job title? Uh, yeah, so the the title itself is a bit uh, bit mis- mysterious, but it's it's corporate development. But yeah, corporate what that actually means is essentially doing stuff like, uh, for example, game evaluations, a little bit of marketing, support for public relations, kind of more than kind of marketing side, the business side over the uh, development side. 
Okay, there you go. So you, you didn't make it sound very exciting, I think, but I think it is it is an exciting job for a lot of people, and a lot of people wish they could have a job in gaming. So let's get to exactly how you got to that job, but let's go way back first and talk about, you know, for some reason you're in Japan right now. So what kind of was the genesis of that? Why'd you get, how, did you get, how did you get interested in Japan in the first place? Uh, I think pretty much exposure to stuff like anime and gaming as, as a kid, right? So, like... I have three older brothers, so there was always a console in the house. Um, the one that I owned personally, the first one would have been the NES. Okay. So that, me, and, me and the brother that's closest to my age, the two of us. I remember like getting out of Christmas time, and the two of us just like taking turns and trying to save Princess Peach. It was pretty awesome. <laughs> that's cool. Okay, so then you know you go to you go to high school, you go to college. Did you go to college for anything in gaming industry, or how did that work? So actually, um, while I was in high school, I played a lot of games. And, you know, playing a lot of games meant that I didn't do so well in high school, <laughs> you might say. <laughs> yeah. uh, so when I left high school, I, I went straight into, uh, I guess it's kind of a technical college. Because uh, I had pretty bad psoriasis. So I was, I was kind of eligible for this special college to kind of help people with that, kind of like sickly kids and stuff like that. Okay. And uh, I did that for two years. That was in programming and game design, which w- it was really cool, you know. And from there, I went into a job doing uh, like Game Master. And game Master is essentially like uh, quality assurance, which is testing games as well as doing customer support. And that's kind of like, okay. like a balance of those two. And I did that for y- a year at one company. After that, then I joined the second company. That company closed down. And then the second company... Uh, was like a community manager role, so game master, community manager, and I, I took that one up, uh, and that was with a the European branch of a Japanese company. Okay, so let's slow down a little bit. So like, so you got you went to this technical kind of school, and uh, then you got the kind of was this kind of a, the game master thing? Is that kind of an entry level job, or to just like it, could it be someone's career or? Oh, you can, yeah, it's it's an entry level. Definitely, people have made careers out of it. Um, they go into jobs like a producer who kind of manages the operations of a game, or you can become like a customer support manager and just like go. There's a whole bunch of different branches you can head up. Okay, so it's kind of the way you, the way in, into the kind of gaming world. That's how you got there. Um, so, like, was that kind of a competitive field, or it seems like I know it's very competitive in America right now and in Japan too. But it seems like you made it sound kind of easy. But was it? Is there a hard interview process is the qualifications you need are really high or how does it work so i had yeah, like to give you an idea of the interview process so uh, i mean obviously you have to know about games so for one thing like as a nerdy piece of advice for people definitely play a lot of games <laughs> you know which i yeah. i know it's so hard you know but uh just, you know just try out some games that you don't like too you know maybe i'm not a big racing game guy but i always made time to play gran turismo and trying to understand why people like that type of stuff Okay. Um, so the interview process was essentially asking, you know, what was your experience in gaming? Uh, what did you like about gaming? What didn't you like? There was like a typing test because when you're doing customer support, you know, you got to be able to type pretty fast and stuff, um, which I'm sure kids these days and their 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 tablets and PCs and stuff like that should be well able to type. Yeah, if you don't mind me asking, what country is your? Where are you from? Because that's kind of the technical school thing is not sounded so common, I think, in some countries. But what, what, where, are you, where are you from? Actually, yeah, I'm, so I'm from uh, Ireland. There you go. So it's kind of technical school is kind of a, a regular thing there. I mean, they have them in other countries too, but uh, not really. It depends, you know, what you want to do. But uh, for the most part, it's a lot of uh, 
third level. Third, you know, university stuff is quite, or college stuff is quite common here now, uh, okay. especially because it's free for the most part. Um, yeah, somehow you guys are lucky there. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, so you got you know you get this game master job, then you move up the ranks to become, I believe you called it a game master community manager or something. Yeah, so that was the second company. Uh, technically speaking, a kind of a promotion, you know, because there was more opportunities and, and the money was better. Um, so I was with those guys for two years, and then a spot opened up at their HQ in Tokyo. And the role there was basically a market analyst. So they were looking for someone who kind of understood the, who understood how the current market at the time free-to-play gaming was going and that the transition to free-to-play mobile gaming. So they needed someone to kind of research and look into that and see what was going on. So uh, that was kind of something that I felt like I, I knew pretty well, you know, because I'm always reading about games and game design and, and game industry. Yeah, so I was going to say, like, did, you know, they asked you to know about, like, free-to-play gaming and stuff. So did you really think you were qualified enough, or did you just say, okay, I want to try it because I want to go to Japan? Dude, you will never be qualified enough, you know? You just yellow, yellow, go for it, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, that's what it's, that's a good advice there. So, like, even if you, didn't, you don't think you're the perfect perf- person for the job, just go for it. So, what, what, you know, was it, what was your reasoning to take it? Was it just because you want to go to Japan, or you really, was it a step up in your career as well, or...? Um, so there, it was like a two-pronged approach to it. You know, I was dating this girl for a year and a half, I think. I'd met her in Ireland, and after a year, she moved back to Japan. And about six months in is when the job popped up. And uh, we did pretty well long distance. I mean, you know, there was no issues. There was no challenges. I did, some, uh, I, did I guess, it's some uh, holidays to Japan in the meantime. And, uh, you know, that, obviously that's a huge inspiration for me to come over is to be with who is now my wife, so... Okay, so, so then you kind of, you, you uh, obviously, is there a, a strenuous interview process for that job in Tokyo, or was a lot of people trying for the job? Oh, yeah, they grilled me pretty hard, you know. Um, one of the kind of pre- the prep work was it, they sent me over this, like, uh, spreadsheet. And I was like, um, point out three relevant news articles, and in detail, tell us why they're relevant to our business and how they can, what we could do to utilize that information in order to, like, further the business as a whole. Okay. So it's like a spreadsheet filled with like just headlines or? Uh, yeah, essentially. So I picked out like some interesting articles at the time that were like kind of free to play, but also kind of verging on uh, console and mobile stuff. And, uh, you know, you can't, you can't bluff your way through that, you know, because when I got to the actual interview day, they were like pretty much scrutinizing, okay, what is this? And based off what you're saying, what information or what uh, statistics can you prove, you know, to back that oh, okay. up to what you're saying, so. Yeah. Okay. So then, you know, you obviously got you got you're probably excited. I imagine when you got the job. Oh, dude, I was, I was, yeah, I was, I was pretty <laughs> happy. <laughs> okay. So then you go to Japan and you go to Tokyo, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, I moved to uh, Ibaraki because my wife was working there at the time. Okay. So you could go still commute to your job there from there. Yeah. Yeah. It was about an hour and twenty, so it wasn't too bad. Oh, that's not. That's you know, a lot of people have way worse in Tokyo jobs. All right, so let's talk about your first. Let's talk about your first kind of week and month in Japan. I know it's you know you had the nice benefit of having your girlfriend there to kind of help you ease your way into the country. But was, was there any kind of hard, difficult times or things you had trouble with in your first week or month? Uh, definitely language and uh, getting used to. No, for, I mean for the first two weeks, I just bought an Xbox and played Street Fighter Four online. <laughs> that was that was pretty awesome. Not gonna lie to you. Um, but when I got into the office, you know, workflow is king in Japan. And, and some of that was, uh, 
workflow systems can be a bit tricky if you don't understand like a decent level of Japanese. Yeah, so like that must have been a big, you know, at this point your Japanese is really zeroed, right? Oh yeah, like it is. Is yeah, exactly zero. So it wasn't a requirement for the job in any way at all. Did or if like you had some Japanese skill, did they value that in the interview or? Oh, totally. I mean, if uh, the you know, I know some of the other guys who went for the job had the Japanese, but at the end of the day, it was a global company, so they needed someone who understood not just Japanese. You know, my skills outside of knowing Japanese kind of outweighed the the lack of skill. Okay, so then you get there, and obviously, you know, it's tough. Do you work in a? It's a fully Japanese company, right? I mean, I'm sure there's some other foreigners there, but it's mainly Japanese people. Oh yeah. Outside of my team, it was pretty much all Japanese. Okay, so that must have been pretty scary. So, how did did they did people try to talk to you in English? That I mean, I know not everyone speaks great English in, in Japanese companies. So, how did that work? How was, what was the dynamic like? Oh, we had a. I mean, for the most part, uh, it was pretty cool. A whole bunch of them. I mean, I liked anime and manga, so I was able to relate to some of the staff on the other teams and just kind of learn Japanese through just talking about our, our common loves, you know. That's cool. But and then we had a couple of like bilingual people who would support me for like whatever hospital visits and stuff like that as well so okay that kind of helped you easy so were you the only foreign person in this kind of department or uh my my particular team was actually pretty pretty international which was nice you know because uh wouldn't like some you know have a kind of banter in between you know between the german and the french guy and the american guy and the irish guy <laughs> yeah. so all right so that's cool so then let's go um What's kind of like now you've, how, how long have you been at this company now? Because you're still at the same company, if I remember correctly. Actually, I left that company. I was with that company for four years and I left that one. And now I've been in my current company for two and a half years. Okay, so let's go. Why did you make the change from this job to the other one? Was it kind of you were in, unsatisfied or you found a different way to move up your career? Which, which what was your reasoning? Um, so like, you know, I mean, for the most part, gaming, people tend not to stay too long in the same place unless they really, really love their job. And I kind of hit a, I guess a, ceiling in my last job so it was just time to get a better position in another place uh, okay so then you kind of so how did you forget about because you know a lot of people want to find a job in gaming so let's go through your now you're in japan how did you handle your job search in japan uh so it's a pretty small it's a pretty small place you know you get to know a lot of people and you just network 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 and you know someone's looking for somebody and you know oh hey i can do that kind of thing and so usually Some- the simplify way to do it. Um, you can you can always apply for jobs too. I mean, there's plenty of jobs in Japan, depending on your experience. Some of them are easier, some of them are harder. They've got those entry level. If you can speak Japanese, they have those entry level game master jobs. They're there, but also they've got like game design and game planner jobs here, and those ones are also, you know, the requirements for those particular ones. Sometimes they say, you know. No previous necessary experience, but you know you'll probably be making uh, quite a low salary at the at the start. Okay. So, you know, think of those jobs as a way to learn about the business. Okay, so kind of very entry level. Yeah. But I, you make you kind of make it sound you made it sound extremely easy to get a job in gaming. But you said like let's say if I want to, what do you think the expected Japanese level is of one of those companies if I wanted to work at it as a game game ma- ma- not game master game manager right now i would say if you're if you're in japan you'd need to speak uh i would say a decent level like as a programmer i think the requirement is a lot is a lot less but as a on the business side i think it's kind of somewhat necessary especially if you're like japanese facing and not um i guess global facing because a lot of these companies usually have a western publisher so they don't really need to focus on the global side 
Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. So okay. So let's get through. You know, now you're st- you found your job. Now you've been you've been there for a while now. So l- what's kind of a normal day like for you? What do you have a lot of overtime hours? What time do you normally have to come in? How does the how does what's your normal day like for you? Um. So in my case, because I'm kind of uh, Western facing, I can usually come in a little earlier. Say like eight eight a.m. or nine nine a.m. Um. Not get a couple of emails. And, uh, then move on to some project work. You know. So. You know, PowerPoint is king. Learn PowerPoint and Excel while you're in school. So when you make a PowerPoint, you're making PowerPoints to present to other employees about projects like this. This game is a good idea. This game's not a good idea. Something like that. Yeah, exactly like that. Yeah. Um, these particular mechanics are growing in the West. Therefore, I think we have some we think should be worth looking at in the future. Or if I think there is something that was really cool, like, for example, Hearthstone would be a great example to show to people because it's. It's a card, it's a collectible card game, but not in the style that Japan, for example, would be so well used to. Yeah, for sure. Uh, in fact, um, Cyber Games just released one called Shadowverse, and it's out in English right now as well. And that's kind of similar, but that's like the f- one of the first few kind of that style of card game that's come out, and they've got pretty decent uh, feedback in Japan. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so Hearthstone is a huge game that is, you know, it's based in the world of Warcraft universe. We're going to get a little bit nerdy right now, so just if it's in the world of Warcraft universe, it's kind of a card game. It's kind of it's it's like a simplified Magic: The Gathering, if you know what that is. I think. Yeah, that's the best description I think. And it's it's very graphics heavy graphics kind of. It's really it is a fun game. So when you make a let's say you make a project uh, presentation for your employers, it might say what level do you get to? Like this mechanic of the the turn based mechanic is cool, or like. How what levels do you break down a game in? Like if you let's say you're let's say you want to break down a game like Super Mario Brothers number one, would you really break down each mechanic? Like the jumping mechanic is good, the jumping is tight, or something like that. Or what levels do you take it to? Well, yeah, I mean that's just a one. That's just like a, like you you just give the perfect example because that literally is just one sentence type of explanation. Mm-hmm. So you can kind of get through that stuff pretty quickly. But like you have to remember how like you know it's a good measure of let's say I play I give myself three hours to play a game. How far did I get in? How long did the tutorial take, for example? Was it a good tutorial? Do I know exactly what I'm doing? Are they still explaining stuff to me after three hours? You know, especially, you know, if you're focusing on mobile games, like, if you're still doing, like, tutorials after three hours, there could be an issue there. And so you're kind of measuring all that stuff in as well as the mechanics and what feels good, what feels awkward, what doesn't feel right. Okay, so do you do, do you, sorry, do you do this for like um, games your company develops, or do you do it for other games too, like all, all kinds of games? Oh, dude, I do it for for all types of games. I, I like you know, you can't just focus on one particular genre. You know, you got to take from everything, get inspiration from everywhere. Okay, so I think that's that sounds that sounds fun at least. So what what percentage of your day is just sit there playing games? Um, I would say like not a lot to be honest, because um. You know, you're usually balancing like four or five projects at a time. Um, so I would say maybe have, if you were to put it into like in a week, in a working week of like, say, 40 hours, maybe six, five or six. Oh, OK, so but do you have to I guess you take some homework home with you, I guess. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, that's the beauty of games, right? Because you completely can play them on the train home and stuff like that. So um, your company's focuses on mobile games. I, you, I know you said so, so like would they like. Let's say let's say a game that's going crazy over here, like the the new game that just came out, Disney's um, Disney Castle thing. I'm sure you know it. What I'm talking about. Oh yeah. So would you like do a presentation on that game, for example? Yeah, that would make sense. Yeah, it's a it's a new game. It's just out. Some interesting mechanics and stuff like that would, would make sense. Um, 
you know, we develop a lot of games for Japan, right? So um, sometimes the mechanics don't make sense because that that localization is is quite tricky. Um, and some games just don't make it west either, too. So, I mean, a lot of our development is done in Japan. So, And do you ever have to make, the, do you help make the decision of this game will work in, uh, you know, other countries or it won't work in other countries? Do you help make that decision or who, who makes that decision? Well, at the end of the day, that's up to the, the you know, the heads of the, the company and the producers that are developing the game. I can only give my advice. It's up to them whether they want to take it or not. Okay, so let's, let, what's, I'm always interested in that kind of why some games get changed seemingly arbitrarily, but there it must be some thinking behind it. So, like, what's something that would make you think, okay, this game definitely won't work in other countries? Uh, I think art style is a big one. Okay, so the kind of big anime eyes or what? Well, put it this way, right? If you do an anime style, you're probably going to get anime fans, right? But yeah. um, what about, like, let's say, and then this is probably a horrible example, and, you know, um, but let's say Candy Crush, for example, right? It's very simplified, very easy, so anyone can kind of pick up and play that and not feel, let's say, offended or put off by the the look of the game, right? No way, yeah, exactly, impossible. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty simplified. But let's say a game like... Uh, I'm trying to think of like something super sexy. Grand Blue Fantasy. Ground, Ground Blue <laughs> Fantasy, that is a good example. So, like, uh, that's going to be a pretty somewhat niche i mean that's a global that's like not global success it's freaking huge in japan right yeah but like outside of japan it's, it's got its supporters in japan but to the level of success it has in japan there's no way they're going to reach that unless uh you know they well i don't know what they could do to fix that yeah so we should say like grand blue fantasy is an rpg mobile game and the advertisements in japan are you know 50 percent girls in very revealing armor walking and a lot of bouncing going on stuff like this and the ads are everywhere like they are they must the advertising budget on that game must be insane i would imagine they're spending millions yeah yeah so it's it's uh it's kind of that would be a tough sell i think in america at least for sure but in other countries i'm sure too oh yeah yeah it's very niche it's very niche you know nintendo's coming out with that new mario runner kind of thing so like when you when your company here is like okay Mario is 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 uh Nintendo is releasing this kind of Mario Runner game, is there some kind of actions that you guys take to try to like, you know what what how do we want to combat this or how we want to do something like this? Um, I don't know. I mean, it, it depends on what the goals of your own company is. Um, I mean that's a very specific type of game, right? It's like an endless runner yeah style kind of game, and we don't really make endless runner style games, so it doesn't. Re- I mean, obviously having the ip of of mario or or nintendo is pretty pretty amazing right so mm-hmm. um but again that's not necessarily something that we would maybe compete with oh, okay so you just let it go so i'll do one more question before we get into you know extremely gaming world what advice would you give somebody that is you know maybe teaching english right now maybe still in america right now still in ireland right now still in australia right now that wants to get a job in gaming in japan what advice would you give that person um, well, obviously, the, obviously the, the obvious one is obviously learn Japanese and then uh, just uh, play a whole bunch of games, especially for if you want to get an entry level, you know, to show that you understand games and that uh, you have, uh, you know, the mechanics behind them and what you think makes them popular. Um, try and, you know, keep an eye on numbers because data is, especially for, well, the mobile side of things is uh, very data heavy sometimes. Um, but you know, a passion, you can't be passionate for anything. So, 
Yeah, so if you really want to do it, you know, as you can see by Anthony here, he made it happen, so I think you can make it happen too. Um, would you say it's more for younger people that's kind of to get into this field, or can someone that's in their 30s or 40s even try to get in? Oh, that's a, that's a good question. You know, some of my colleagues don't come from gaming backgrounds. They come from different type of backgrounds. Uh, we've got, like, bankers. We've got, like, uh, analysts and stuff like that who crunch numbers. You know, we've got... a tv guys who come in you know they make great creators and story writers and stuff like that so i guess there's definitely some ways to get in even if you're not an entry-level person oh totally yeah okay so now let's enter some i'm gonna ask anthony some gaming questions now so if you're not into gaming i recommend you turn it off right now but (laughs) uh, so the first big topic this came on japan if you're not listening listening to this live then i guess it's old news but nintendo switch video that explained exactly what it is came out last week what are your thoughts the uh the the video itself was kind of Somewhat antisocial in some cases, but I think the mechanics behind it are pretty cool. Um, yeah. Picking up a game and, you know, playing at home and then just bringing it with you, that's really cool. I think the PlayStation 4 kind of toyed with it with Final Fantasy X, you know, where you could bring your save over to your Vita, to your PS4 version of Final mm-hmm. Fantasy X. The problem is you have to buy two games, and that yeah. sucks. So if I can buy one game and just bring it everywhere with me, I love the idea of that. I guess I agree. With, I definitely agree with that. But I think I guess I'm wondering how powerful can a system be that can be handheld and equally played at home, you know, in, in the console version, you know? Totally. Yeah. And like, I know they showed Skyrim in the video to show like, hey, we're playing, you know, PC games. But Skyrim is, you know, very old now. <laughs> yeah, true. Very true. And it's like, but I think, I think it all depends on, you know, mobile gaming in Japan is obviously insane, huge. But is that is that handheld device, is that too big to be held on a train? I don't know, you know. You're right. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I do see some tablet guys from time to time playing uh, Kankale and, or Kantai Collection and uh, the other one, uh, Clash of Clans, is pretty popular. I see people playing that. Um, I don't know. That's a good question, you know. Uh, I know they're going to have, like, a presentation early January to tell us more about it, so... I guess they have to come out with the battery life and all that kind of stuff then, because that's what people really want to know. That's so important, dude. It's, uh, you know, it's if it's gone in like three or four hours, it's going to be pointless. Because there was a man yeah. on the plane. There was a man on the plane, and he better be playing that eight hours later. Okay, let's go to a mobile game now. Let's talk about the, you know, once the Fallen from Grace Pokemon Go. Ah, Pokemon Go. So let's say you have your own mobile gaming company, and, uh, you know, you, you release Pokemon Go. Obviously, the world blows up on it. It's insane. But now the user base is dropping very, very rapidly. What kind of methods would you take? What What would you do to try to change the situation? Oh wow! Um, <laughs> just uh, well, the, well, the easy one is throw more Pokemon at it, right? Um, I think they should. I don't, I'm not sure why they. Well, see, the thing I say is I defend Niantic because they had such. It was so much huger than they expected. You know, I'm sure they spent a lot of resources just getting things stable for the huge user base they got. Yeah. And now finally they can start adding stuff. You know. Yeah, um, I mean, like, I mean, it's a pretty straightforward game, right? Go to point A, collect Pokemon. Go to point B, collect Pokemon. Um, the gym stuff is pretty uh, interesting. It's kind of grindy. Um, so I would say maybe throw some more random events in there as well, like some random battles maybe on the street, or maybe you can just battle people on the go. Like, yeah, that, that would be huge, I think, battling other people that you're, you're going around with. You see someone walking, obviously playing Pokemon Go with you, you could be cool to battle them for sure. Or how about trading, you know? Trading, trading, that's 
what Pokemon was built on, right? Yeah. And I think the one thing that Pokemon Go is missing is that feeling of connection with your Pokemon. Because I know when I played Pokemon and I like got my starter, I was sticking with that starter the whole game no matter what because that was my boy, you know? True, yeah. And in this game, though, it's kind of like it val- you, you value throwing away your Pokemon because you get, you know, the Pokemon dust or whatever, Stardust or whatever. True, true. Yeah, it's kind of sad <laughs> in a way. <laughs> so, all right. Next, let's talk about... Pokemon, another Pokemon game, but Pokemon Sun and Moon's coming out. Are you excited for that? Yes, I am. I am. I, lo- I love a good Pokemon story. Um, I played the demo as well. Demo's really cool. Yeah, demo seems pretty... It's, I mean, again, the Pokemon formula, I mean, they never really change it, but it still is always fun, you know? And it's, it's a bit more prettier this time around as well. It's like they're always kind of opening the uh, the graphics a bit, which is really nice too. Yeah, but did it, I mean, do you want to give them credit for that? Isn't that kind of normal for a game? True, true. Um, I mean, I, I, you know, I just kind of give them the benefit of the doubt, right? I mean, the fact that they're, they're, they're willing to do it, which is always good, you know, they could still be using the, the, the old school pixelated look. Yeah, they could. They, that's for sure. Um, let's go for another game. Um, I'm just sorry, sorry I'm hitting you like a, I'm a, rep- a reporter right now asking you questions about games. But <laughs> uh, so let's talk about, you know, Breath of the Wild. What do you think about that? I, you know, I haven't really followed it so much. Um, because you're not excited about it? Uh, you know, I've, I never really, I don't, I don't play a lot of, I, I would say console-based Nintendo games. I was, I'm more of a PC guy, and then have my 3DS in my pocket, kind of. Uh, okay, okay. Well, with this new Nintendo Switch, you should be, you should be fine. Yeah, I'm telling you, they're, <laughs> they, they, you know, it's how they get you in, man. All right, Anthony, we shared. We, we, I think we got nerdy enough. I mean, I could ask you a lot of other stuff, but. Um, <laughs> so, in closing. Um, I want to ask, I always ask, you know, this, my website's all about having fun in Japan. So is your job and ultimately, is it fun for you? Yes, absolutely. I love it. Um, it's super challenging. It can be super stressful. Um, but you know, it's, it's what I love doing. It's games. And so what do you, what, what do you see yourself in the future? You're going to keep doing this? Are you trying to, what's kind of the next step in your horizon of your career, you think? Uh, well, I love game publishing as a whole. Um, I think, you know, the indies in Japan are starting to grow, you know, to give those guys some more love. Would love to long term maybe have something available for those guys. Um, but yeah, even I need to improve my Japanese before I even get that far. So Yeah, you kind of are you working on your Japanese a lot or is it you know, I'm sure it'll help your career, but I mean I don't know how much time you have to study because it does take time for sure, of course. Oh yeah, I mean it's it's my responsibility, so I gotta gotta work hard enough. There you go. So, all right, Anthony, thanks for sharing your story today. And, uh, you know, good luck in the future and keep making uh, fun games for everybody. Thank you very much. A lot of fun. Thanks for listening to the ALT Insider Podcast. For more info on how you can have more fun working in Japan, visit ALTinsider.com. See you next time.